0: Welcome to Hades, Half-Pod fans. My name is Tyler.
1: I'm Condra.
0: We're the Amateur Nerds, and this is Camp Half-Pod, the show where we talk about the Percy Jackson and the Olympians television show on Disney+, one episode at a time. We're here today talking about episode seven. We find out the truth, sort of, with a long ellipse in there. Oh,
1: the IMDb has a comma.
0: Ah, oh, well, there should be an ellipsis because that's that's more iconic. Yeah. Anyway, this is episode seven. You know, the one where it all happens leading up to the big finale. And we've got a lot to talk about. So thank you for tuning in. We're just going to jump right into things. We start off by hitting up Krusty's waterbeds
1: and all of my complaining about how unfun they have made scenes in this show. I think this one might take the cake.
0: I wasn't sure what you what direction you were going when you started that sentence. Like, in all my complaining about how unfun they make scenes in the show, this one is fun. Like, could have also been there. I had a little bit of fun with how hard of a sales pitch Krusty was laying on. <laughs> to Percy, like, you gotta try one of these waterbeds. Percy was not continuing that conversation, but everything he said was like, just lay on one. It'll fit you perfectly. And isn't that what we want to do? Fit better in this world?
1: So, yeah, like, Krusty does do the sales pitching in the book, but completely unbeknownst to Annabeth Grover and Percy, they walk in and nearly lose limbs. Like, he doesn't just stroll in and just like, you're a You stretch people. Like, with beds. Like, it was so... Like, part of what I appreciate so much about the books i think now that i'm seeing this other version is how much of dunderheads the trio is they roll (laughs) up into situations they're like we're gonna figure this out somehow and sometimes they don't and like this here was just like so serious and like not suspenseful like the thing is like in the book's they almost, like, they're in beds. They have to figure out how to turn the off switch kind of thing, like...
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where the movie obviously didn't include anything close to this scene, and the show decides to include this scene. As far as I know in the book, it's not like Krusty is guarding the gate to the underworld. They kind of crammed these things together a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, they stumble into him because they suspect he... Like, they know something's off about him, and they suspect he may have more information.
0: So they sort of switch things around, like, hey, we want to include the crusty scene, but we don't want it to be a diversion from their way to the underworld. So they made him, like, a mini gatekeeper to the underworld, which doesn't make that much sense. But something I can forgive. I understand why they didn't want to do, like, a whole action mischievous comedy scene right before they go to hell. Because that kind of alters the stakes of what you're witnessing. But I see what you mean of like part of the fun of the books is watching our characters get into these wacky situations without knowing what they're getting into. And I think overall, I think this show is going for something a little more uh, meta modern. If we can accept that as a (laughs) dialogue topic, like original Percy Jackson books are postmodern in the sense that like, we're taking the stories and we're kind of doing a, like a little parody or a little twist on them. Yeah. And this show is saying, okay, we're taking the stories and instead of doing a parody of it, we're going to, we're going to look at them earnestly and say, Hey, we know what the tropes are instead of doing the tropes or, or turning the tropes upside down. We're going to turn this, the tropes like 360 degrees. Like we're going to put it on its head and then stand it right back up and say, we've looked at this from every angle and what is the what is the reality the emotional undertone that we want from this and they do that with the medusa thing really well mm-hmm. and the idea that like sally jackson taught percy about all these things and he's bringing his knowledge to the table as someone who has sort of understood and been able to critique everything else in the myth- mythological world is an interesting approach for this show
1: yeah and it just in such a serious episode it lost some of its like it needed almost a funny start because the rest of it's so dark
0: (laughs) fair and it literally is dark so
1: yeah I was so glad like it was dark outside this morning when I was watching I was like yeah I can actually see what's on the screen right now love this
0: yeah I think it was a little disappointing overall when they like when Krusty gets put in the bed and it just sort of that like that was a
1: cool effect. That was what I was supposed to. I was like, yes, was Except,
0: it? Was it a cool effect, though? Because it just wraps him up a little bit and then nothing happens. He doesn't get any limbs torn off. He doesn't his head suffer is supposed, some.
1: Yeah, he's almost supposed to lose his head. They stop it right before. So, yeah, I mean, but it was so smooth and it didn't look clunky like in him getting eaten by the bed or captured by the bed.
0: But I think sort of to to add on to what you were saying earlier, like if you wanted to have like a little bit at the beginning of the show, like have this guy die in a funny way. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Not not that gory violence is what we're going for in the kids show, but maybe. Another
1: another head chopping is fine.
0: I guess, yeah. I guess we already did one. Like why not more? So they open the door to the underworld in the back of Krusty's shop. And um, Grover calls us old. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> well, to be more accurate, he says either that's the underworld or someone left milk there in, in there in the 1990s. So apparently the 1990s is unbelievably eternally a long time ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get told that all the time. Like, my teens have no concept of um, how old I may or may not be, and they just think I'm old. <laughs> so...
0: No, I think it's fun. The shoe's on the other foot. Yeah, the 90s were forever ago. Yeah. They also grab a squeaky ball that's for some reason in the, the back room of Krusty's shop and march into the underworld. I don't know what else. Yeah, like, no. They just go.
1: Yeah, the mu- there's a lot of music cues in the captioning for this episode, I noticed. It's like music swells, music stops. I don't know.
0: After they go into the door, we actually cut away to a different scene a flashback.
1: Yeah. a lot of flashback.' We're, we're, there's an A and a B plot here.
0: Yes. and this is something that I also wanted to talk about because a lot of these like prestige miniseries or TV shows will have like either a twist or sort of an unresolved thread that leading into the finale, you you don't quite get resolved yet. And then episode seven will sometimes be like, sometimes the episode seven is like a whole flashback, or sorry, the second to last mm-hmm. episode, you know what I mean. Yeah. Sometimes the second to last episode is like entirely a flashback that like gives all the backstory. So like the third to last episode, you're like, and we're here, we're ready to do the finale. And then the whole second to last episode is like, ah, we have to sit through all of this backstory and explanation yeah. So I'm I'm glad this show didn't do that.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that is true.
0: But they still they still did engage in the trope a little bit of like let's have the like emotional core flashback that ties in with the current conflict that we're in and do those both at the same time, which I think they did pretty effectively in this yeah. series. Although I think the flashback ending leaves a little bit to be desired. We we we'll get there, I suppose.
1: Yeah. So we see Percy and Sally sitting outside of a school. And it's the revelation of what Hermes showed Percy in the Lotus Hotel and Casino.
0: Yeah, that mini flashback we got earlier that we're like, that's probably going to be referenced again later. It was, obviously.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And now we're seeing the result of Percy walking out on the roof of his other school in his first Of many schools that he will be in over the next years of his life. Um, So we're seeing the first transfer, basically.
0: Yeah, the school is called Manderly, if you can read the blurry sign in the background. And yeah, Sally's just saying, Hey, this is your new school. It's going to be really good. This is the best school for people with learning differences. And Percy's like, No, 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 I'm not going to do it. And she says, This is happening. It's not a negotiation. The only thing that you're going to do is make this more difficult than it needs to be Mm -hmm. in so many words. And Percy eventually relents and they go in and then eventually in a later version of the flash, a later installation of the flashback, we get the story from the administrative. Like we're worried about Percy because he drew a picture
1: of a winged horse,
0: of a horse with wings. And he also like started walking on the roof claiming he saw something. And Sally's like, I can't take no for an answer. You have to re- um, respect my child and register him in your school. Us, let's us, you and I, talk about this until we get to a resolution.
1: Yeah. And Percy's in earshot. He's not in the room. But he's just sitting.
0: The door's open. The door's yeah.
1: open. And the, the administrator's implying that. Percy has other health concerns that the school is not actually able to accommodate. And Sally is like, why would, like, Sally was annoyed that the other school told this school. Like, the the principal is like, oh, I got a call from the counselor over there personally. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that isn't cool.
0: It's weird because it's, like, if it's a school for kids with learning differences, like, you can't handle a kid who wandered onto the roof one time?
1: Yeah. Really? That's concerning. (laughs) That has a lot more to say about you.
0: You don't have a lock on the doors of your school building where all the kids with ADHD are? Like,
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we just get more of Sally, like, fighting for Percy, which is is great. good it's just like weird that it's spaced out in the midst of Percy walking through the underworld to to find Sally I guess it shows Percy makes a comment to Sally like I wouldn't do this to you kind of thing
0: yeah and that's later in the episode so it's not necessarily like oh this is why he's going so far because we already know we already know how far he's willing to go one day I'll show, far I'll go. Um, sorry, I had to. <laughs> and and they, do, they do some, I think the, the, what's interesting about the flashbacks is the lines pop up. Specifically, the clever one is when Sally arrives to the school with Percy, she's like, well, we're not in Kansas anymore. And then mm-hmm. when Percy is there with Annabeth, he's like, well, we're not in Kansas. And Annabeth's like, what do you mean Kansas? We were, we were in Kansas four days ago. Get your head in the game.
1: I loved that, though. That was a good, like, <laughs> like yes.
0: A callback. As it were. I dropped two potential drops. <laughs> a get your head in the game drop and a callback drop.
1: Yeah, but... For those
0: I, who listen to our High School Musical episodes.
1: But I edit and I don't have them, so...
0: <laughs> but yeah, so planting the little lines that then come back in the the present day setting is what the whole flashback thing is doing. Mm -hmm. And they only really need to do it the one time at the beginning to set up like, okay, I see what they're doing. They're mirroring certain themes here.
1: Yeah. Percy, Annabeth and Grover start entering the underworld and it's pretty standard. I feel like it's pretty
0: dark. It's pretty grim.
1: Monochrome. I literally
0: turned the brightness up on both my phone and laptop when I was watching it two different times, so it's giving Deathly Hallows part one.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's just, it's a dark, what ends up becoming a dark wood?
0: There are interesting things in the creative design.
1: Yeah, I like the like stalactite. There's like a rocky look to it in some parts. That's kind of cool, especially in like the ceiling, quote unquote.
0: Well, Hades' palace is, like, facing downwards. Like, the ground is above it, and it is an upside-down palace, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But then the whole setup is, like, when the dead arrive to Hades... I use Hades as a synonym for the underworld. Yeah. When the dead arrive to Hades, the place, not the person, they are sort of, like, on this lower um, elevation area, and then the gate is sort of, like... This giant wall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, a wall representing the underworld. Where have I seen that before? No. Cough, cough, Town.
1: Don't start that again. That was such a long clip in the last one. I was like, if we get copyright claimed, it's all your fault.
0: I think it's not going to get copyright claimed if I'm the one singing it.
1: I don't care. <laughs> okay. It was so long to listen to.
0: <laughs> it wasn't that long.
1: Yes, it was.
0: It was just cringe to you personally.
1: Yes.
0: Which made it feel like an eternity.
1: Just like the Fields of Asphodel. There we
0: go. <laughs> you live with regret. No. So there's a lower level. And then if you get to if you get over the wall, then you're like in Hades, which feels like a, a low bar, if you'll forgive my elevation-based humor. Like, all you have to do is get to the top of the wall? That doesn't seem that hard. I guess if you're just... A dead soul, it doesn't cross your mind, but
1: Yeah, there's no thought there of you just stand there until you enter through the gate.
0: But they like they see Charon, the the, the ferryman, mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, you didn't you're not dead and you didn't pay, so bye. And that's it. That's like the end of the conversation. It's like, oh, that was Well boring. no,
1: Percy tries to give him money and Charon does nothing.
0: Which also doesn't make sense. Like do not you want the money? What?
1: I forgot my fun fact about Krusty. Yes. And I guess now is just as good a time. Yeah. So the actor who plays who, Krusty in this here film or show is played by Julian Richings, who has another credit as the ferryman in Percy Jackson the Lightning Thief.
0: Whoa, the movie?
1: The movie.
0: Wow, I knew that, but that's pretty wild.
1: <laughs> it is like it's such a small like it's a small production universe kind of thing like
0: And it's not clear who plays the Charon role in this one, but it seems Travis like a different voice.
1: Travis it says on IMDB, but there's no photo attached to it, so I don't know.
0: He gets, like, one line anyway. Yeah. He blows a dog whistling and, and calls in Cerberus, which is pretty fun.
1: Well, Percy's like, maybe you can use these to buy a new whistle. <laughs> <laughs> which I was like, yes.
0: But why doesn't he want their drachmas?
1: I guess this Charon is a little less corrupt. and is So it's kind of weird because we see Charon at multiple points in the books because they go to they go to the underworld multiple times
0: couple times
1: <laughs> and the one that always stands out to me is the one where Caron is guarding the elevator and like openly is corrupt and he's like yeah i use all these obols to um buy new suits and stuff and like i'm not getting paid enough because my i haven't like it it's just like so different than the like spooky boatman that i like that version better
0: You know, if he was Charon from the video game Hades, you know what he'd say?
1: Er. Exactly.
0: (laughs) I like that version where he's just a demon who ferries guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, this Charon doesn't really have a face. It's a hooded figure.
0: It also seems like we're already across the river. Like we're at the gate. Yeah. So the geography is a little confusing.
1: I guess this shortcut round the back does not involve. They use that in the show. I'm not quoting Hades Town there.
0: <laughs> For they reference, said, I made a face at Condra as if you're almost saying the Hades Town thing.
1: Aggressively <laughs> made a face at me.
0: <laughs> How aggressive can I be through a video call?
1: I feel threatened. <laughs>
0: Somebody
1: call um, so... I-X-I-I. It's one of my favorite. What? <laughs> and Hercules, when, right before he goes to fight the Hydra, Pain and Panic are disguised as two little kids and they're under a rock kind of thing. So, Hercules and Pain or Panic, I don't remember which, yells out, Somebody call I-X-I-I.
0: Wow. That's kind of funny. Yeah. But it's not clear if that's nine one one or nine two. So Yeah,
1: yeah, I know, I know.
0: <laughs> or twelve? No. Twelve is XII. Okay, never yeah. mind. <laughs> they run away from Cerberus, who is a very cute
1: very cute Rottweiler triple head
0: yeah. dog.
1: And, and it's the got, heads like
0: the, are so cute. They got like the short nose.
1: Yeah. And they do a big yawn. Well, that's later, but.
0: (laughs) So they run away. One of them snatches up Grover in its mouth, but he comes out of the mouth two minutes later anyway. It's not that exciting.
1: Yeah. I honestly forgot he was in his mouth for a minute there because like, it's just like they're running through mist and Percy loses track of Annabeth too. And I'm just like, yeah, we're just running right now.
0: But Annabeth scratches him on his neck and that calms him down. It seems like, you know, it's silly because all you need to do is play him a little bit of music and he falls right asleep.
1: No, that's not. I shouldn't the right... have said that.
0: <sighs> I'm
1: just tired.
0: I shouldn't have said that because it's the wrong three headed it dog. I was giving you a little bit of a setup. I know,
1: <laughs> and I just sighed instead. I'm not <laughs> yes ending as much tonight.
0: Oh, the the other reference I wanted to do was like it would have been fun when they saw Charon and he was like you're not dead they went no we are dead like Percy's little shtick about how like we're all dying in a way Yeah, not fun I want to reverse Monty Python (laughs) instead of I'm not dead yet I want to say I am dead now see how dead I am isn't there something you could do
1: (laughs) I feel like we've niched the the conversation a little too hard. Yeah, those
0: those those things that are really unpopular with nerds, Monty Python and Harry Potter. But no, we don't need to make any more ulterior references. I think those were my only ones.
1: Okay. So Annabeth reveals that her dad had a dog, so she kind of knows how to handle dogs.
0: Yeah, while she's like scratching his neck and he like takes a little nap, Grover gets out of the mouth. And Grover is able to fly Percy up the wall with the winged shoes, but he's not able to get Annabeth in time. So she's kind of like trapped down there with Cerberus. But she throws the ball up the wall and Percy squeaks it, which causes the uh, the dog to jump up the wall. And Annabeth jumps off and grabs the wall before Cerberus can do anything. It's cool-ish.
1: Yeah, no, it, it that is probably one of the more similar things to the book. There is a squeaky toy involved in the book, so.
0: Yeah, there's like two ways you can go with the squeaky toy, right? Because you can do the squeaky toy as the ball, like the dog. But then you can also do the squeaky toy as like a fake out with one of the pearls where they throw the squeaky toy on the ground and they're like, wait a second, that was the wrong thing.
1: Oh, (laughs) that would have been funny. That would have been good. (laughs) I thought of that while I was watching.
0: was like... What did you think that was supposed to do? Sorry, wrong circle in my pocket. Yeah. But speaking of circles and pockets, um, Grover's pearl disappeared. So now we do have a three pearl problem. Seems like we didn't need to go through all this hullabaloo to get there, but okay.
1: Yeah. I was like, wow, I wasted all of that energy last week talking about four pearls, and this is my reward
0: it seems like they wanted to be clear that Poseidon wanted Percy to get Sally back. Yeah. But with like magic items, they're, they're, you don't need a logic for why there's restriction because like yeah. there's only three of them in existence. Like,
1: yeah, it's a Nairad delivering it and not Poseidon. Like,
0: yeah, don't tell your father I gave you these exact. Yes. Yeah, one line of dialogue covers it. Yeah. So um, they're up the wall.
1: And down into the fields of Asphodel, which is the woods, or the woods of First,
0: they throw the ball into the river Styx, and Cerberus is like, ooh, I want the ball, but he doesn't go into the river. And I was like, what happens if Cerberus goes in the river? That seems weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a good question.
0: I mean, it depends on if you're doing the Achilles lore, too. Yeah. But I guess he just doesn't go in, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So we get a big view of the vista of Hades, the underworld, and it's mostly desert.
1: Yeah, it's very barren. I don't, yeah. It's not like yellow desert. It's more gray desert.
0: Yeah, I I always, you know, classic Hades is more of like the brimstone volcano vibe,
1: But I I suppose. Well, see, that's where I have, like, that's Dante's Inferno. That's like a version version of hell that I don't always see it as this one because I definitely think the Fields of Asphodel, it's nothing. Like, it's nothingness.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the thing with the Greek underworld is, like, it's distinctly three different parts. Yeah. Like, it's it's there's different geographies. So, if you're in the Fields of Asphodel, like, it's maybe a field in the sense that, like, you're in a grassy meadow or maybe or- just sand or dirt or something.
1: It's just a wide expanse.
0: And there's like fog which gives the gives the vibe of you can't really see or remember anything. You're kind of just wandering. Yeah. Aimless. When we see the vista of the underworld, we don't see Asphodel. You're like, "Oh, that's Asphodel and that's Tartarus." And those are the fields of Elysium over there, like
1: Yeah.
0: It's just, "Oh, this is a big barren wasteland." I guess Tartarus is the one that feels more like Mordor. Tartarus
1: is down, though we do yeah. see the hole into Tartarus, though.
0: So yeah, let's talk about the fields, and then we'll talk about the Tartarus pit.
1: It's a wood, like they the the shades that they're walking through, and it it suddenly like becomes forested to some extent, but instead of trees. Percy and the gang come to discover their shades who are rooted to spots with regrets.
0: Yeah, and this is a bit of um, imagery and mythology that I'm not super familiar with. Are you?
1: I think this is a take they're doing themselves. I think this is... I'm not familiar with this either.
0: And we didn't bother to research it, so if it is something, it's not like a universally acknowledged...
1: It's not a, yeah, it it it's be. not the widespread version.
0: Annabeth says she read a book about Asphodel, Asphodel, which maybe seems like an exaggeration, like she read a book about the underworld and Asphodel is mentioned in it, or did she read a whole book about Asphodel? Are, they refer- like, are the writers referencing the fact that there's like a famous book or property about Asphodel that like, this is the mythology from? No, and I the, think like, it's, this is sort of a wink saying, like, oh, Annabeth read that book.
1: I think it's more... And, about, like, the Athena cabin has a library in it and is known, to, like, children of Athena are known to, like, research and read a lot about the different elements, so they're they're always in the know.
0: Yeah. Also in Asphodel is where Grover realizes he lost the pearl and he goes, ugh, guys, I lost the pearl, which seems like it should be, like, a, a Jack Sparrow meme, Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me when I lost the the black pearl, guys. Just, I lost the pearl.
1: <laughs> just throw a pirate hat on Grover, and he's good to go.
0: So you're not into a Harry Potter or a Monty Python reference, but you are into a pirates reference. Got it. Okay.
1: No Disney. I just, Disney one, is where
0: Condra's loyalties lie.
1: No, it's just where my more and more of my brain is right now.
0: <laughs> there is some Disney synergy with this show. And it's coming up in a in a minute, so yeah. I'll I'll save it. So yeah, so they're they're in Asphodel, they're in the they're in the the fog, and they're like, oh, the roots that are holding people to the ground are like the roots of regret, things that you did in life or things that you wished you had done in life, and that's fair.
1: Yeah, I think it's an interesting. Honestly, I think it's worthwhile as a. As an option for Asphodel, even if it's not like a traditional option, I, I think it works for this universe's version of the underworld.
0: I think no matter what, the Greek mythology or Roman mythology versions of the own underworld have a sense of melancholy to them.
1: Absolutely, like even
0: if you're in Elysium, there's something like a well, I'm still dead. Like it's not as good as being in the mortal world. Yeah. And Asphodel especially is like, there's something brutally sad about just having nothingness forever, obviously. Yeah. And people lose their memories. Like in the Aeneid, like Aeneas goes to the underworld and he's looking through Asphodel for his father. And he runs across Dido, but Dido doesn't remember who he is.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. So. Cause he was a jerk. <laughs>
0: And that isn't Asphodel and not Elysium, right? Yeah. So, like, even someone who's pretty, who's pretty a solid guy, Anchises, didn't do, like, didn't do a lot of things wrong, presumably. He was a good father to Aeneas. He's still an Asphodel. Like, you got to be really good to get into Elysium.
1: Yeah. Which I think is part of the, like,
0: it's a real bell curve.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, it's because even like Tartarus, only the absolute worst of the worst go there. Like a lot of like, it's not like Christianity where you do one bad thing and you get sent to Tartarus. It's like, or if it is, it like it has to be extreme.
0: Yeah, or even like, you know, uh, an Egyptian mythology-esque
1: Oh, Scale based measurement
0: yeah. where it's like, oh, if you're a little worse than you are good, oops, too bad.
1: Yeah. A lot of the punishments in Tartarus, too, are seen by mortals as like a warning, but also like a, the gods are in- indifferent until they're cruel.
0: Except for Sisyphus. One must imagine him as happy. Why? <laughs> are you not familiar with this discourse? No. Oh, there's, there's whole um, Sisyphus is like a good, like a good solid example of like finding comfort in suffering. I like, I, I don't have time to
1: okay share
0: it, and I, I don't know if I ever read the blog post that sparked this discourse okay. or whatever. But also, Sisyphus in um, Hades the video game is very content with himself.
1: Yeah, he's quite jolly.
0: So I think there's something there. <laughs> anyway. Asphodel, it always felt like a felt like a bummer to me in the sense of like, oh, there's there's nothing going on.
1: See, I always found out of all of the variations of death, I found Greek mythologies probably one of the most comforting because it's like, well, yeah, you're taking advantage of the life that has been presented to you because it is so unusual and stakes are relatively low for for death it's not as frightening as some of the other versions
0: yeah there's no what's nice about greek mythology is there's no like guilt or like judgment that's being passed
1: well there is judgment while but you're it's in the very, mortal world yeah while you're in the mortal world yeah
0: it's not like oh i gotta try to be good because otherwise i won't get into heaven if you're in the mortal world, you got to try to be good because the gods will smite you
1: <laughs> there and heart. then. Yeah, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> you say you're you get more a attractive than Aphrodite. <laughs> Joke's <laughs> on you.
0: Don't pray to Dionysus. Sorry, your crops didn't grow. Like,
1: Oh, did you like dolphins? <laughs> you do now. Don't like
0: dolphins. <laughs> so... All right, I think that was good Asphodel discourse. I think we got, I think well, we got somewhere.
1: Yeah, we got somewhere, but more. Annabeth almost gets stopped. She gets. Yeah, that a didn't root. make sense though. All right, so it does.
0: But like, but, but like, in, like, she's, she's not, not dead. So why is she way. getting a root? Why is she getting a root on her if she's not dead? Like,
1: so that's part of the thing with like the Greek underworld in general is you start to lose, even if you're not dead. You're dying. Like the the air, the the environment is not sustainable for life. That's the point of it. Is like life doesn't work there. So like a
0: like a slow version of Disney Hercules when he's turning old in a river.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And depending on if you're in Tartarus or Asphodel, like the speed does vary. Like when
0: Percy and Annabeth are in Tartarus for like a whole book in the second series.
1: Yeah. And I love that stuff actually. That's a good book. Dying. Like, they barely make it out. Like they get when they get out, everyone's like, Guys, you don't look like you should be alive right now. Like that (laughs) So I I do get it and like Annabeth has a big regret. She has multiple big regrets. So it makes sense that Asphodel catches her vibe and is like, Ah, we got one. (laughs)
0: I don't know Annabeth's regret off the top of my head and I don't know if we could talk about it.
1: I will not talk about it.
0: Is it something that's going to come up in episode 8 or is it just going to is it like something we save
1: I, for the long run? I don't know. She's got a couple. So, but I think one of them does have to do with stuff that will be revealed in episode 8, so I'm going to hold it.
0: Okay, so Annabeth's pretty much trapped there, so she uses the pearl to escape while she distracts Cerberus. And lets Percy and Grover get to the next stage of the underworld. So we've gone through Asphodel and we fought Lernie, the, the Bone Hydra, and now we're ready for the next stage.
1: No, no, Lernie's not there, Tyler.
0: Oh <laughs> man, I was hoping for a bone hydra. No. I really hope people have played the video game Hades. It's a classic.
1: I I feel like at this point they're just barely listening. They're like, Condra will go on a rant at some point. I'll hold out for that.
0: All right. So we're wandering the desert of death. And I'm like, is Moon Knight going to show up? Are we going to get some synergy? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I did have strong Moon Knight energy. (laughs) I wasn't thinking about it until you said it. I was like, yep, that's what I was thinking the whole time we were in this part.
0: And then the shoes almost take Grover into a big hole. Yeah. And the, the I'm like. The shoes pull is, him
1: down to Tartarus. Or is almost.
0: Master Koga down there in the Great Depths? Are we going to fight the Yiga clan? This is a Legend of Zelda reference.
1: Okay. I was like, I don't get this one.
0: In Breath of the Wild, a guy falls into a big hole. Mm-hmm. And then in the sequel, Tears of the Kingdom, you can go into the underground area and one of the concepts says, oh, the guy that fell in the hole in the previous game is down there. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's a great concept. Nintendo is a genius. I don't know if you know this, but they thought, you know how you know how we had this huge game with a big open world? What if you could go in the hole? <laughs> and then what if you could go in the sky? <laughs> it's the simple game mechanic design that takes nintendo to the next level and it sounds like i'm being sarcastic but i'm really not (laughs) no i know
1: you're not but we're also i'm looking at the time and we actually do have a lot left to talk about so we got to keep going here
0: but i do really like house of hades when they're in tartarus and i'm looking forward to seeing what's in the hole
1: i'm not it's scary
0: it's a scary (laughs) 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 um so yeah so there's something going on where like the shoes tried to Sabotage us, and then all of a sudden, the master bolt appears in the backpack. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like the master bolt appears, or if it was always there. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I think that's that, and that's how it plays out in the book too. Yes, it's like a trick.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: but the the master bolt was presumably given to them by Ares because Ares gave them the backpack.
1: Yeah. So but, now, Percy the shoes- viewers think that Ares is in cahoots with Hades.
0: But um, Hades Hades seldom cahoots, which we'll get to. I
1: love that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I seldom cahoot as a teacher, but that's a different story.
1: My teens want me to cahoot so bad. (laughs) Yeah, but to your point, the shoes. The shoes, too. Yeah, those came from Luke.
0: So it seems like there's a lot going on, and they didn't—they don't process the loot thing. They don't be like, not oh, the, the shoes were sabotaged, they, and they, it's not like a, oh, we thought it was Professor Quirrell, but it was actually Professor Snape. I guess that's kind of what they're doing here with the whole Hades and Ares thing, but yeah, <laughs> not for the shoes specifically.
1: Yeah, the shoes are kind of overlooked. Like, oh, maybe there's a magical being down there use it misusing the magic like they don't even think about the shoes being the reason they almost fall into tartarus because they get so distracted by the master bolt which is a cool i like the look of the master bolt i think it looks pretty, pretty cool. cool
0: like steampunk mechanical design yeah yeah so Grover decides that even though we have the thing that we were looking for the whole time, we can't not go after Percy's mom. So we get a good little character beat there. And then we get to the big palace in the middle of the underworld. It's pretty empty. Looks like Hades is not really doing the, the menial labor of assessing every soul himself personally. Or maybe he's more powerful than that.
1: He has in in this version uh Midas, he has the three judges in in Rickverse.
0: Yeah, I do like the Hades video game version where like Hades the god of the underworld is just always has paperwork to do. That sort of like harried like hey my brothers have it easy, I am literally always working down here is a good characterization.
1: Laura Olympus does that version too and I really like it there too. We talk about Laura Olympus so seldomly here on this pod, but I <laughs> felt like that was a place to mention it.
0: And the characterization of Hades has always been an interesting one to me. So I guess let's, let's yeah. talk about the different versions and the one we get here. I mean, the classic Hades is almost the Disney Hades or like the sort of goth emo Hades where he's like, I resent my brother's. I'm angry all the time. I'm stuck down here. Nobody yeah. nobody respects me. Nobody trusts me. And I'm going to give them something to not trust.
1: Yeah. It's sinister. You can't say his name because he will do harm to you even if you evoke, invoke him. I, I think that Disney Hades is weird because he does have comedy beats to him. He's resentful, yeah, but he's still funny. Where like almost like the ghost of Christmas yet to come in like (laughs) Muppets Christmas Carol has Hades vibes to him as well, because he's dark, sinister and gives nothing and takes everything. Like,
0: I mean, Grim Reaper, that's kind of it too. Like Monty Python and the meaning of life, Grim Reaper, which (laughs) um, speaks little.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But Hades is God to more than just the dead. He's also the God of riches and wealth and volcanoes like there's a lot I so like I like when Hades is more than just like I'm dark and sad because there is more more to Hades
0: Hades is king of iron and coal and the riches that flow where those rivers are found anyway
1: (laughs) I just if my pot my end of things just stops (laughs) I've just left the call (laughs)
0: Hades' town is like one of my favorite things. I know it so. is,
1: Tyler, but... Uh,
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> Percy and Grover get to Hades's palace, and Hades walks around the corner and goes, Hey, fellas, welcome. <laughs> I...
1: Okay. My hot take. The person playing Hades, whose name is Jay Duplass.
0: Duplass, presumably.
1: Sure. Not Duplo. Should have played... Hermes instead.
0: Are you saying that Lynn manuel should have been Hades? Because I'm also on board for that.
1: Yes, actually I am. <laughs> I, I will take that swap there in its entirety. Or we'll do a three-way swap with Hephaestus.
0: Yeah, he was pretty good too. We've seen a but lot of gods in this show. It feels like they should be um, holding him back a little bit more. No. But anyway, I guess these are the ones that we do see.
1: Yeah, and... And we see them again and again and again. Like these are the these are the frequent flyers here.
0: Hephaestus feels like too much of a gimme. Like what? We didn't need to see him.
1: No, we see the scene
0: he's in is good, but
1: yeah, I really like this fast talking, dealing, like Hades, where he also wants something in return. He's still making a deal. But he's doing it with a bit of a smile and some charm.
0: Yeah, he's self-assured. He's, you know, confident in himself and charming in a way that you're like, oh, I see why Persephone likes you.
1: Yeah. And I see why you stay away from the rest of them because everyone else is so serious and serene. And he's like, yeah.
0: And that's a good point, too. Yeah, Hades is usually portrayed as staying away from the other gods because he's the he's the emo one who doesn't get along with all of their sort of fanciful, frivolous ideas. And in this one, it's like, well, no, the gods are the ones that are petty and obnoxious. <laughs> and Hades is the one who's just like, you know what? I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm pretty good at it. So, yeah. I think that version of Hades is powerful, but I do believe there should be conflict in Hades a little bit too. Like he's not a conflictless character.
1: No, and I don't think that we don't... Like Hades is is self-motivated here. Like he's stolen Sally because he thinks Percy has the helm of darkness. Like he's still conniving. He's still sour when he's around his family like he, he's like I would never deal with Aries. like I don't kahoot
0: <laughs> I seldom kahoot and then uh, when they're trying to make the trade and they're like you want the master bolt like you got someone to steal it for you and now you're gonna use it to fight your brothers and he's like what master bolt no I want my helm the way he says my helm yeah <laughs> is very funny
1: I like like this is a change I do like. This This version of Hades, Hades is a lot... Like, Hades in the book relies on intimidation. Like, he's sitting on his throne and is big and is trying to scare Percy, which I like that he's not that way here. It's a little tiresome after a while.
0: I, I don't disagree, but I do feel like there should be a threat with Hades. Like, you're on his turf... You're asking him to do you a favor, like that's the thing with every well, Hades. Well,
1: Sally movie. isn't getting released, like
0: the ball is in Hades's court, Absolutely. all the time. Yeah, and the idea that you can pull one over on Hades by even by using the pearl thing is a lot. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they don't necessarily play into that that suspense as much as they could either by having Hades be a little bit more belligerent. Even though I like the sort of self-assured style, he could be ticked off that, you know, something that I I would tend to remember from the original Percy Jackson book is Hades being a little TO'd that, like, he's getting blamed for this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is why he puts on the intimidation factor.
0: But we don't really get that in this, like, oh, what, you think I stole the master boat? What, because I'm the evil one all the time? Like... He just sort of goes like, no, you got it all mixed up. Like, silly gooses. Silly geese.
1: I think silly gooses is a little strong.
0: (laughs) But the idea that Percy's going to trade for his mom. And then also in this scene is where Percy puts together like, oh, there's more going on here than meets the eye.
1: And finally realizes it's Kronos. Yeah. Yeah and that makes Hades quake in his boots a little bit.
0: He's like, "No, Kronos is in 10 million pieces in Tartarus. That's not possible." But if he is coming, give me the bolt. And so there's this little suspense of like Percy being like, "No, I'm going to give the bolt back. I'm going to get your helm. We're going to make this all better my way," which is what we which is what ties back to the um the school flashback thing. Um, Hades literally says the thing that his mom tells him. was <laughs> like, look, this is going to go this way. There's not a negotiation. It's just how ugly you're going to make it. And mm-hmm. Percy realizes that he has the power in this situation. And he doesn't have to have the grown-up telling him what to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's kind of a combination of the conversation with his mom and his his mom's approach to the conversation with the principal of, like, let's us figure out what, what we're going to do to make this work. Yeah. He was on the receiving end of someone telling you it's going to be this way. And then his mom was supposed to be on the receiving end of it. And she turned it around. And so he basically learned his lesson that day, I guess. Yeah. So do you want to talk about Sally and Poseidon now?
1: Sure. Yeah. So well, just to wrap that, up, Percy and Grover used their pearls to escape Hades.
0: And they wind up back on the beach where Annabeth is.
1: And the music ascends as Ares appears on the beach as well. But.
0: With a little uh, smirk that says, I'm up to no good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ain't I a stinker, says Ares. <laughs> twirling his dimple. <laughs> Classic. But no, let's style. talk about yeah, this-, this
0: meeting between Poseidon and Sally in the yeah. uh, ice cream restaurant. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the the darkest ice cream restaurant you ever did
0: see. I mean, maybe it's a family restaurant that just like is.
1: It almost gave off like small town Chinese restaurant vibes because she's like drinking tea. I thought.
0: Yeah, hard to say. It's it's definitely like a small town restaurant where ice cream sundae. They don't they they serve food. If you want an ice cream, they'll give you one. Like
1: yeah. So
0: the decoration doesn't matter because it's the only restaurant.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So Sally and Percy are sitting at the table and Percy is very upset to eat his ice cream. And Sally's like, no, you should eat it. And I'm going to go pay because she's starting to get emotional.
0: Well, it's when Percy says, I would never do this to you that she's like, gosh, like, I can't take this right now. I need to go cry not in front of my kid
1: yeah i think too i would probably be pretty ticked at the principal to be like well have you thought about homeschooling like that's an option everyone has yeah it's like if he has the paperwork in front of him then he should be like well no she doesn't have that option like that's obvious
0: it's also not entirely clear if she's able to work out a solution or not like yeah
1: Well, it is that he is going to school. Like, there's still... I think she was able to work something out because, like, the intent is you're going to school. Like, this is a goodbye meal for now.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess so. But in her moment of distress, she puts a match in some ice cream as an offering to the gods, and Poseidon walks through the door, not in any impressive, like, Aquaman, Jason Momoa-esque way. He just sort of strolls in.
1: Thank goodness. <laughs> and, although you can kind of hear like the rain like rain start to fall or
0: Yeah, there's kind of like a thundering in the background which is interesting cuz thunder's not like equal to Poseidon, but it's not it's not not, not there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um it would have been fun if it was Jason Momoa.
1: <laughs> I think I have I have lost it. Like
0: He's uh he's a handsome like a uh, bearded man who's got sort of like a reddish blondish hair color.
1: His name is Toby Stevens.
0: He was in the television show Black Sails, where he played presumably a sailor. So
1: Yeah, Captain Flint.
0: As well as a couple other shows. So good on him. He definitely looks the part.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's your rugged... I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Didn't Jude
0: <laughs> Law play Poseidon in the movie, though?
1: Yeah. But again, that's we a don't good really look, t- though.
0: It's hard to be Jude Law.
1: It so didn't, Matt. Like Jude Law as Hades. See, the thing I always appreciate about how Rick describes Poseidon in the books is that he doesn't care what he looks like. And he gives off like gruff old sailor vibes. A lot of the, like longer hair, Hawaiian shirts khaki bermuda shorts like
0: poseidon's job is beach
1: basically yeah (laughs) also protector of fish
0: (laughs) but yeah that's sort of like uh, he's a little gruffer than you would expect
1: yeah he's a little cleaner i think is more what for me like he's
0: well i was saying the 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 characterization we get from Rick is he's a little gruffer, a little bit more out to sea, as it were.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And in this one, he's a little bit more put together, which is fine. Yeah. Maybe he puts on this look when he knows he's going into a normal restaurant.
1: Yeah, and is not in a loud Hawaiian shirt.
0: So him and Sally have this conversation about whether she's going to bring him, bring Percy to camp and why she doesn't want to do that. Because I want him to know who he is before the gods tell him. Who to be, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is a line that sticks out, but also is kind of something we knew already. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think I think it's a nice kind of summary for the things we've been talking about this whole time of like, oh, Sally was training Percy in this way versus how Annabeth was trained at camp.
0: And I think this does get back to like the overall message that Ricky Riordan is doing with the with the books and the and the series I don't necessarily see this as as a metaphor for anything in our world of like, oh, the powers that be are always going to tell you what to do and you should like learn how to be yourself. Like, that's a pretty generic message that I don't think.
1: It is a generic message until you think about all of the identity traits that Percy and other demigods have, like ADHD, dyslexia, learning differences all these kinds of things that people will be like oh well you have this ability or, or or so and so that means this particular thing for you like i think to some respect it does have some power in what it's saying like what the the message of the show to a broader audience than just like a god because it's like yeah even if you have this harder thing going for you, you can still find yourself and and find a place.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And the, the, the sort of the 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 empowering message for, you know, disability by by giving it the other way and be like, when if you have a disability, people are gonna tell you to act a certain way. And if you have an ability, people are going to tell you to act a certain way and the framing of those two definitely works. I think my criticism is what we're seeing here as a reception of the classical mythology as an adaptation, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which, you know, if we want to take a humanist perspective, then maybe we don't consider like what the gods are supposed to mean. Let's think about what the humans are supposed to mean in the story. And the humans represent love and being true to oneself And sticking it to the people who would tell you otherwise. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like there's a lot mixed up in here, like, in what the gods are supposed to mean.
1: Yeah, but I think also, we've talked about this multiple times at this point, that the gods of Greek mythology are more human than any other gods. Like, the gods are a reflection and an exponential increase. Of everything the humans are.
0: But also they're so powerful that they can't be comprehended. Yeah. It's a juxtaposition. And it's obviously an interesting enough juxtaposition that we've been talking about it for 3,000 years. So Mm -hmm. there's something there. And we're not going to get to the bottom of it on this podcast, I suppose.
1: No. But Sally asks Poseidon if he wants to just hear his voice. Like, not even see him, but do you just want to hear what he sounds like? And Poseidon declines. He's like, when, I'll meet Percy when the fates have decided and the time is right and Percy is ready and all these, like, nonsense things.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a mildly, um, if not inspirational, like...
1: It's a cop-out.
0: ...building tension speech that is cross-cut with Percy arriving back on the beach and about about to be facing off with Aries. So like it's constructed visually well, but like it's not it's not that I was I was overall underwhelmed with the appearance of Poseidon here.
1: Yeah. I I was like, "Oh, we're we're blowing the reveal now and not in the throne room." Okay.
0: The idea that he had this like little conversation with Sally in which she wasn't like given a, a a bit of information that, you know, got her to turn the corner or she didn't like get to pull one over on him or like one up him or realize in the conversation, like, Oh, this is how I feel. And I never felt it. And I never realized it until now. Mm-hmm. Like they're both neither of those characters changes from that conversation. And maybe that's the tragedy of it all in the first place. But
1: yeah, I think that is, it does have something to do with it is like, despite Sally's care for Poseidon, like she's so hurt in the moment that she puts her faith out there that Poseidon will actually answer her. But still she knows what's right for Percy. Like at the end of the day, she's always in Percy's corner, even when Poseidon is just a sounding board.
0: It's weird because the, the Hermes thing was like, Oh, you don't know what it's like to show up for someone and only make things worse. And, Poseidon doesn't make things worse with this conversation.
1: No, it's just nothing is changed.
0: Nothing changes. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Well, I guess we have to wait for the shoe to drop in the next episode,
1: but we do see a lot of stuff again. in the next time.
0: Oh yeah. The next time on kind of gives away that, um, Uh, Percy doesn't get his head cut off by Ares, and then this shows over in the next five minutes. So I guess that's good.
1: We see him back at camp. We see Chiron in horse form again. We see the throne room.
0: Yeah. All interesting stuff that we will get to next time. Anything else that you wanted to say about this episode here?
1: No. I think I'm we hashed tra- it out. I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to think. And Annabeth had some decent lines, nothing mind-boggling. Same with Grover. Like I don't know. It was a not a dialogue-heavy episode.
0: Grover, at the very beginning, when he was like, guys, can I come in now? That was fun.
1: Yeah, that was cute. He didn't want to see Krusty get hurt in any way. Oh, I did enjoy as well, we didn't mention this, um, Krusty is related to Percy through Poseidon. And, like he had some comments on on their sibling. You have dad's eyes. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, until next time. What's the deal?
1: Instagram at amateur nerds. Tumblr at wildcat minute. Email amateurnerdspresent at gmail
0: And that's all there is to plug. So I've been Tyler.
1: I've been Condra.
0: And we'll see you next time, back at camp. Back on Mount Olympus. Stay safe out there, half-bloods. Bye.
1: Wow, so serious.